the road and go. Where am I to go, meet Johnny? Where am I to go? For I'm a young and a sailor lad, and where am I to go? Welcome to Where Am I To Go podcast. I am so grateful you have chosen to listen to me and to go on the travels and see the things and go to the museums that we have managed to go through for the last two seasons. I have really enjoyed doing this podcast, and I hope you stick with me. It makes me happy to know that people are enjoying what I do. On another note, I want to make sure that everybody knows that we are on Facebook at Where Am I To Go podcast. We have lots of pictures. We have places that we go that we don't do podcasts on. And we have lots of things to see and think about when you decide you're going to travel or if you're just interested in learning about different places that we go. Also, we have an email account at whereamitogopodcast at gmail.com. And if anybody has any comments, ideas, thoughts, you are more than welcome to email me there, and I will do my best to answer, and we'll see where everything goes this season. I've got some neat things lined up, and I hope everybody is ready to go for a museum tour ride. Hello, and welcome to Where Am I To Go podcast. Today we are at a museum that I visited, oh, maybe three, four years ago. It was totally fascinating. I had no comprehension of what I was going to see but we are at the Franklin Car Museum in Tucson, Arizona, and I am here with Bill and with Tom. Tom's going to do the outside tour, and we're talking with Bill because he just informed me that he grew up in the neighborhood and spent a lot of time here with the original owner. With Tom Hubbard. Uh-huh. With Tom Hubbard. Okay, and and Bill's going to talk to us here a bit uh, in the living room or office before we head on out to do our tour. And so welcome, Bill. I appreciate you uh, talking with us and, and telling us a bit about these cars. Okay, thank you. Okay, so first off, what is unusual about the Franklin car? What is unusual about the Franklin car is they are air-cooled. There is no water cooled about them. There's you, no radiator? There's no radiator. Wow. Let me tell you how I met Tom. I met Tom when I was 10 years old. Okay. He came to my house, picked up me and my dad in a 1933 Franklin V12, and we drove it up to Catalina. Now, just a second. V12. V12. Okay. So air-cooled. Yes. So I know that they had a lot of V12s back in in the early 1900s, the 20s and 30s. They even had a V16, I think, in a Cadillac. Yes. But... A V12 air-cooled engine. Right. Okay. Now the Corvair had a v, had a had a, a Pose Six. I was I was uh, president of the Corvair Association here in Tucson for many years. Oh, were you? Yeah. That's okay. the only reason why they allow me on the property here. Oh, it's because you already know the air cooled. That's air-cooled. right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and you had the Volkswagen, which was air-cooled. Yeah. And then you had the Franklin. Right. And it had a V12. Right. How unusual is that? Well, they only made 100 V12 engines, Franklin engines. Okay. Uh, so they're kind of rare. Okay. Uh, okay, but all of the Franklins were air-cooled. All the Franklins are air-cooled. Uh-huh. But you only had 100 V12s. Yeah, well, the, the Mr. Franklin borrowed $5 million from the bank in 1926 to engineer that V12 engine. 
Wow. Um, $5 million? $5 million. In 1933, when the bankers wanted their money back, he only had 100 engines built. Not oh, enough. Wow. He couldn't recover, so he disclosed the factory. So he ended up going into bankruptcy? Right. Or? Uh-huh. Okay. And he sold, the, you know, sold out that factory and everything. And okay, and where was the factory at? In Syracuse, New York. Okay. That's a long ways from Tucson. It is. <laughs> okay, but we have one of the best, according to some of the different car magazines I've read, you guys have probably the best Franklin car collection right here. We have the largest Franklin collection in the world in one place right here. We have 27 Franklins. And how many total were made uh, oh. production-wise? Was it a big production yeah, we, number? Yeah, 400,000 probably. Oh, really? Yeah, in 1927 was their best year. We made 14,000 that year. Really? Yeah. And are, are there still quite a few of them around? It's not I'm, something that you see when you go to car shows. There's probably a few of them around yet. Every now and then we find somebody's found a barn find, and uh, they come down here to find out what it's supposed to look like. Okay. <laughs> and, and so you've got 27 of them here yes, on uh, site. Right. And then they've also got a big museum up in uh, uh, Michigan, I think. The Gateway Museum, is that, is that what it is? Another big car museum? That I thought had had somewhat of a collection. It does, and I can't think of the name of it right now. Um, okay, not a big deal. Well, we'll I, I just crossed my mind, yeah, and, and okay. I can't remember the name of it. But they've got large collections of every yeah, car, from yeah, what I understand. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I think it's in Michigan. Yeah, every museum around usually has a Franklin or two in it. Do they? Yes. Okay. I guess there was a Franklin in the uh, Deer Lodge Museum uh, that we went to. Uh, in Deer Lodge, Montana. Okay. I was up in Alaska, and I went to the Fairbanks Museum up there. There's three Franklins in there. Oh, really? And they drive them every day. Oh. Wow. Gilmore. 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 That's right. that's it. Gilmore, not Gateway. Yeah. Gateway's in Colorado, uh, That and that's a pretty cool museum, too. Anyway, uh, okay, so so how did this collection get started, and, and why is it here? Um, Tom Hubbard... Uh, was going to be a mining engineer, and he went to college and got a degree. Okay. And the first car that he restored was a 1905 Real. Okay. And uh, he bought it from a guy in Texas, and the guy wouldn't accept his, uh, his money for it until he got it restored. So Tom had to restore the car. Okay. And that was the very first car. That, and that got the bug started. Tom Hubbard... As a kid, came out here in a 1933 Olympic. It was this car his family had. Okay. That was his first. Uh, I've never Franklin. heard of the Olympic brand. We have one. Oh, okay. Well, we'll see that. And uh, so that kind of he just got interested in it, and and uh, and he's been restoring restoring Franklins ever since. And he used to do a big business here, uh, repairing. Franklin's. Okay. So, what year did he do that reel? When when did he start with that reel? You know? No, I really don't know. Uh, I'm not too good on past dates. I don't do history really well. Okay. Well, the the reel was uh, R-E-O-L-O. That's Olds. right. Uh-huh. It, it's what turned into the Oldsmobile and right. then was bought out by GM at, at a future point in time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
Okay, so that was the first car that he restored, and then he started restoring Franklin's uh, after he'd done a couple of other restorations, or nope, he nope, just immediately just started immediately into... Immediately went to Franklin. We have a 1925 Franklin. Okay. Oak tail coupe in the, that you'll see, and he did one for himself and one for Bill Hare at the same time. That was his first Franklin. Okay, and Hare was a big car collector in, in Vegas, right? Reno, Reno. In Reno, okay. Okay. And so he was doing some pretty high-dollar restorations. Right, uh-huh. Well, that's cool. Okay, and and were the uh, Franklins extremely popular here in, in the Tucson area? Well, they were popular enough to have a dealer. Oh, really? We actually had a Franklin dealer here in Tucson, and it was right next to the Rialto Theater. Okay, and so they must have sold quite a few then. They sold yeah, a few. I would assume that they'd be kind of high in demand here just because they're well, air-cooled and, and didn't overheat. Not so much. They were very expensive cars, so they, okay. they were pricey. In 1931, for instance, or 1925, that car cost uh, $3,100. Which would equate to probably $30,000 yeah, now, $40,000 now? $60,000 now. So it, it was a high-dollar car. It was a high-dollar car. All Franklins were high-dollar cars. Uh -huh. Wow. Yeah, but did they perform well in, in the high heat and oh, stuff? They, did. Of... they used to take the cars and race them down in the Death Valley days oh. where they had races, and they were the only car that survived the whole race. Wow. Well, back in the day, I know that, that they had a lot of overheating problems with the cars that were, were liquid-cooled. Cool. Right, yeah. uh -huh. And so the Franklin seems like it'd be the ideal car for, for this desert terrain. And, right. And it was really good for uh, up in New York or in the cold climates because there was no water to freeze. The doctors and the lawyers, okay. they could just get out, start the car and go. They didn't have to unthaw anything or put wow. hot water in it or anything like that. That's amazing. Wow. And they, and they dealt well with the cold temperatures oh, too? Oh, yes. They're, these cars somehow start really easy in cold weather. Really? That's interesting because most cars don't like cold weather. Yeah. <laughs> the oil gets thick and they then they balk a little bit. Wow. And Franklin was pretty much kind of on the cutting edge of things too uh, yes. with, with a lot of their design. Frank, yes. Franklin uh, was a, an aluminum foundry to begin with. Okay. And he had an engineer come in. Was that Wilkinson? Mm -hmm. Yeah, came in and convinced him that they could make cars. And so the very first car was a 1902 Franklin. Okay. We have a uh, one that we have we have Franklins from 1902 to 1905. We have, really? So they're all the same. Okay. And so they just started producing the car yes, from uh -huh. there. He made it's interesting. He made the 1901 car, the, the uh, 1902, the first year. He made one car, gave it to his neighbor, and said, "Drive it." He says, "Come back and tell me what's wrong with it." And so uh, about a year later, Franklin went out looking for him. He says, Where in the heck, what the, are you supposed to come back and tell me what's wrong with the car? And the guy says, there's nothing wrong with the car. <laughs> no reason to come back. And by 1905, <laughs> they had made 500 of them. Wow. And so he, he had a pretty good market going, oh, too. Oh, yes. Uh -huh. That car, like it, uh, it went across the United States in 1904 in 31 days. Is that a speed record, or was that a, a that was travel a record? record? That was a record. There was no roads then. Okay. Wow. That's that's yeah. At that point in time, we didn't have any roads. Right. So they had to make their own road. 
And that I, I read a book about that, I think, and they were talking about how tough it was over some of these mountain passes, trying to f- pick and choose your way through the mud and the snow. And the... Well, not only that, but, but the guy was pretty smart. He had a train schedule with him. And oh, he really? Would take the cars across the trestles on the canyons. Oh, <laughs> that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Huh. Well, that's, yeah. Well, okay, that's so, so it was one of the first cars to make a transcontinental it was run? A, it was a race that the, country, the other car companies had made up. And, uh, and this, uh, the Franklin made it uh, two weeks before everybody else. They were that fast ahead of them, everybody else. Really? And were they self-oiling, or did you have to have somebody oil and no, stuff? No, they, they were self-oiling. Okay. I read a book by, uh, about Eddie Rickenbacker, and he was talking about the early days of auto racing. And he was saying that his job when he was like 14 years old and he was working for, I can't remember what company it was, but when they were on the races, their tires had different color uh, treads on them to where when you saw the blue, it meant that you needed to change your tires. And you only got about 100 miles out of, uh, out of each tire. And he was also saying that his other job was to stand up there with an oil can and keep the valves oiled and stuff. And I didn't know if, if the Franklin was self-oiled. We, or... do, we do have Franklins that aren't we have to oil that way. Actually, the, the upper end on the Franklins, the upper valve assemblies, have to be taken apart and olubed every 250 miles. Okay. They did have an accessory that you could put on the car that would uh, would lube the upper end. Okay. Goodbye. And was it an expensive it add-on? Was, yeah, it was a very expensive add-on because you had to change the whole heads. Okay. And put you know, copper tubing in them and all that kind of stuff. And, and it had what was called an inertia oiler. And it sat on the firewall, and there was a jug of oil with a little weighted thing on top. And when the weighted thing bounced up and down, it delivered just enough oil to the top end where it would, they didn't have to take it apart and oil it every 250 miles. Wow. wow. Okay. Now, the first Franklins were four cylinders. Yes. And then when did they go to the six? Uh, 19. Uh, oh six. Oh, okay. So they had a six cylinder in nineteen oh six. Yes, uh huh. Which is well, I was going to say six cylinders in nineteen oh six is kind of a big deal, isn't it? Yeah, it was. They were mostly fours. They were. Yeah, I was going to say almost everything was four, and and we're talking pre Model T and Ford's first car came out in nineteen oh three, I think. Yeah. And I don't know when they started mass production of the model 19, Model T. Nineteen seventeen. Okay, so Franklin was doing a lot prior to Ford's Franklin, Model T. Franklin, Franklin had the first assembly line. Really? In 1917, when Ford made their first assembly line, it was a failure. Ford sent his engineers to Franklin, and the Franklin engineers taught the Ford engineers how to do an assembly line. So, Are you serious? So, so 19- I've been I've been told stories my whole life with Henry Ford invented the assembly line. And he got the credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> like so many things. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. Wow, that is amazing. So he was able to mass produce and it, when did his assembly line start? Uh, uh, Franklin's Franklin's probably early because it, like it, like I say by 1905 they were doing 500 cars. Wow. Isn't that cool? <laughs> what I what, the things I learn coming to museums and talking to people the things I learn so yeah so you're well ahead of of uh, Henry Ford by a long shot in so many ways 
The other thing that I that I learned in this book about Rickenbacker is he said that he had a situation where somebody came to buy a car from him, and the guy says, you know, if I can drive this car 100 miles to my ranch without it breaking down, I will buy your car. And he said that cars just weren't dependable back in, in those early years. You know, there was probably a lot like uh, snow machines were in the 70s and 80s. If you went with one guy, you better have two or three. But uh, it sounds like the Franklins had pretty much had all that worked pretty out. Much. In other words, that car that went across the United States in 31 days, right? no mechanical breakdown and one flat tire. Really? And right. he used the same tires the whole way? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? How come that's not I, in the history books? I don't know. Should be. It should be. Yes, it definitely should be in the history um, books because... As far as uh, dependability, I actually have two cars here that have over 100,000 miles on them. Really? Yeah. And you haven't done much to them? I haven't done anything. One of them I did a valve job. The other one is still running. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Especially for a car of that of that yeah. era. Mm -hmm. Well, that is so cool. What else What else do you want to tell me about Franklin's here? <laughs> now you got me. Uh-oh, now I got you. <laughs> well, I'm wondering if we ought to grab Tom and go take a look at some of these fantastic automobiles. And then if something comes up... I'll, I'll go along with you. I'll go along with you and oh, uh, all right. Okay. Make it right. <laughs> okay. Well, that that's good. You don't trust me. You don't trust me to say the wrong thing, Bill. I'll let you, and then I'll say. Don't let me say the wrong thing. And I'll let you go ahead and say the wrong thing. <laughs> we're heading out across the the way here, and we're gonna go into the showroom or the or the main well, part of the museum here. We have three and a half buildings. And Three and a half. Yeah. How do you have a half building? Well, one of them's a garage. Oh, okay. But it has a car in it, so it counts. <laughs> okay. But these are, uh, none, none of these buildings are climate controlled. That's why we close in the summer. Oh, you guys are only open through the winter months. It's only during the, during the pleasant season. Once it starts getting hot in here, we close it up because there's no cooling or air conditioning. Okay. But these buildings are against sealed against the elements so right wow. now before right as you walk in the main building here there is a helicopter engine right here on this engine stand and this is an opposed flat four engine and it was used in a helicopter and built by franklin okay they also built airplane motors they did engines too right they did after the cars stopped oh really they continued building aircraft and stationary engines, industrial type engines. Okay, so that didn't get taken out with the five million dollar loan. And, I'm not uh, sure exactly no, how that no, worked. Not at all. Yeah. The, um, the there was another company north of Syracuse. Um, what is the name of in New York? The name I forget. Towns, uh, I will know. Newport, uh, New. I don't know. Okay, something. We'll find okay. her. We'll get it. You know, it's on the video too. So anyway, um, Liverpool. Liverpool. Okay. And they built the airplane engines. Poland bought the the uh, the license in about 1978. Okay. And they were built in Poland. Poland made airplane engines. Oh, really? For many years. We now have the uh, the uh, license back, and they're building helicopter engines in Colorado Springs. Oh, really? Who's That's we? Interesting. They're the United States. Oh, oh, we bought, oh okay. we bought the, the license back. Okay, that's interesting because Poland was a uh, uh, Eastern or, or Soviet yeah. bloc country yeah. in '78 until about 1990, I guess. Yeah, when the wall came down. Yeah, 
And then we see a Thor motorcycle from Aurora, Illinois, little opposed uh, two-cylinder motorcycle. What year is that thing? This is 1913. This company built the first two years of the Harley-Davidson. Oh, okay. This car, this bike is totally unrestored. Really? That includes the tires. And it looks <laughs> it looks like it's in really good shape. It, it, I understand it still runs very easily. So wow, that's that's a cool. And there's piece a, to... what's the joke about why it's called Thor? I don't Are you, know. Somebody I'm told the one me that. that said that. I said you know if you sit on that saddle for for an hour or so, you'd have a Thor butt. Maybe yeah, that's I, yeah. Why it's <laughs> I'm sure you would. <laughs> anyway. Okay, now. We're coming down to, uh, oh, we're going to get to see the, the 1932 V12 Sport Phaeton. Holy smokes, look at that engine. And that's all air-cooled. It's yep. all air-cooled. Those are not valve covers. Those are air plenums. Oh, for the airflow to come right. through. Right, uh-huh. Really, it, it looks like it's got a great big valve cover on it. Right. If you look right here, this cool. is the head and cylinder for a V12. Okay, and it and it looks uh, is square, and it's got the air right. uh, uh -huh. fins, fins on it. On it. Wow, and what a beautiful car! But you got a radiator on this thing, a great big grill. Just a grill. That's only to hold up the hood. There's actually uh, that's right. The name that is called a front hood support. A front hood support. That's the name of that part in the parts list. It's not a radiator. It looks like one, but it's a front hood support. Okay, now in this in this first gallery we have five cars, so six cars, excuse me. Mm -hmm. And to try and describe them, if you look at at uh, a movie that's kind of set in the twenties, the old movies, you'll see these great big beautiful cars that uh, have the the uh, vinyl tops or or plastic top. I, I don't the plastic wasn't well, there. Well, it was canvas, cloth. wasn't it? Yeah, they hadn't really perfected the all steel body. Okay. Wrap around until later. So these cars had to be built a different way, and the tops are built or added separately or built into the rest of the car. Right. Okay. Wood. Oh, okay. It's wood. A wood. There's a wood frame. And okay. The, and the aluminum is wrapped around it. Okay. And are most are are they convertibles? Do the many tops of them come are. Off? Um, how many are not off. in here? These are all three. You see the top on this one here. Right. That's what it looks like when it's up. This is what it looks like when it's down. Okay. Right. It's exactly the same top. And and these cars are absolutely beautiful. Lots of chrome. Uh, the styling of them is that nineteen, well, nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties style car. But they're big. Uh, they're just they're just gorgeous. And the grills on them or the hood supports Front hood. Uh, would almost make you think that they had a radiator behind them. But they're all chromed out and just yep. beautiful, beautiful cars. If you look right through there, you can the look way. right through it. Right. Yeah. Look at it again. That's the way Tom would take off his hat, and he would. They would ask him, "Where do you check the water in this car?" And they couldn't get the ornament off or anything. And so the guys, so Tom would take off his big hat, and he would look in here, and he'd look through the grill, and he'd look, and he'd look, and he'd look up at me, and said, "Bill, we forgot to put the radiator in this one." <laughs> and again, this this one here's got the the straight. Eight, maybe? Six. No, it's straight six. six. Okay, got it, got it. Straight this, six. It's a huge engine. That engine is is really big. Isn't this the first Franklin this Tom did? The, this is the first Franklin we that Tom restored. It's got a rumble he did seat. One of these, he did one of these for himself and one for Bill Hara. Okay. 
And this one here is painted a, a kind of a pale yellow. Beautiful car. The pen striping is, is mm -hmm. just gorgeous. And it's got the great big... Uh, 10 inch or 12 inch headlights which would not reach the wall really <laughs> yeah it's only a six volt bulb in there okay and they work really well over dirt roads but uh, when you got asphalt it just absorbed all the light but remember you were only going 25 or 30 miles an hour right so you didn't overdrive your headlights Okay, and, and were these run off a, the, the six volt, you said? Yeah, I, I don't need to go, I was going to say. We, we do have brass era cars in the other building that are not, do not have electric lights in them. Okay. But by this time, everything had electric in them. Okay. And All then we. Six volt. The, the one that has the V12 in it is kind of a real pretty two tone gray color, a darker gray or. No, that's brown, I think. Is it brown? It, the lights in here is kind of bad, but that is, that is brown, two tone brown. It's dark brown fenders, light brown body. The interesting thing about this, in 1933, when Mr. Franklin knew that he was going to have to close the factory, this was the only color paint he had left. Oh, really? So all the cars from 33 on were the same color. Wow. It's Bill, a really pretty color, though. Oh, yes. Bill, is it true that this is the only V12 dual cowl phaeton that exists? That's right. There never was another one. No. And the story goes, and I'm going to be, it's going to be, there was nine of these cars built. Okay. Four were sold. None survived. They disappeared. Just wherever. Wow. Okay. When we started this project, we had a V12 engine, transmission, and rear end that we took out of a junked car. Okay. I was wondering what to do with it. So Tom and all of us got together and said, let's build it. He, he has the plan. Tom had the plans for all these cars from the factory. Really? So this car is done exactly as it had, would come out of the factory. We built this car right here on the property. It took us 10 years to build it. Wow. One of the neat things about it was I was just a kid. And you were helping out as a no, kid? No, I was getting in the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I used to come down here, and we had a couple of guys that could work English wheels. Okay. Okay. And I used to come down here and watch them take a square piece of metal and turn it into a door. It was the most amazing thing to watch. Oh, I'm sure. And an English wheel is They're a too... big, it's a big uh, uh, stand-up apparatus that has two, two wheels, wheels on, on it. it. And, and as you push the metal back and forth, and there's a little pedal that you push, and it would change the, the, the It would angle. stretch the metal. It, yeah, for about one thousandth at a time. Wow. Until it got to the whatever one you wanted, wanted to do. And the thing that amazes me about that is you look at these long fenders and doors and all of that kind of stuff. That was all basically handmade. Yeah, but the fenders were pressed. Oh, were they pressed? They were on a press. But this, like this body, that uh -huh. was all hand done. Wow. And so this is, this is basically a replica of this what the... This is a replica, right. Actually, Franklin does not... Um, no, this does not uh, what, acknowledge. They don't acknowledge this car at all. Well, I'm, it, it's really cool that they don't acknowledge it because I'm standing <laughs> here looking at it. They it's did, way cool. They did make some, yeah, but they're gone. They're gone. Uh -huh. So there's nothing false or right. phony about this. Right. This is a real, actual a real Franklin actual car, car that did exist. It, it, it would have come right out of the factory. It looked exactly like this. Like this. This has a two-speed rear end in it. It's a Columbia rear end. 
The car behind you also has a Columbia rear end. They made two kinds. They made a mechanical shift and an electrical shift. Once to God, I don't know which one of these have. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, if you get your creeper, I'll crawl underneath yeah, right. and have a look. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> anyway, this is now this brown one, this dark brown one here, the chocolatey brown one that the top is up on that looks just like the V12. This right. is the one that Tom drove back and forth to New York a couple times. Twice. Is that right? Uh -huh. yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Now, that would have been that would have been really cool to see this thing going sure. down the down the road. This would have been fifty years ago. Yeah, that oh, he yeah. did that. And what was the top speed on on like this one? This one would get up to sixty miles an hour. It has a two speed rear end. It has a real gear in it. Wow, it's a three speed transmission. Amazing. It's incredible. And this one here, it has. Uh, uh, doesn't have a rumble seat in it. It looks like it's no. got a basket on the back of some sorts. It's to put your golf clubs in. Right. But it's a big car. I mean, you've oh, got yeah. a big front seat, big back yeah. seat. Yeah. Uh, oh, and it has... Are we talking about this car? Yeah, we're talking about this We're one. talking about this oh, okay. one here. Yeah. The trunk that's in the car, the reason for the trunk is, if you notice, there's no windows. Okay. It was Isinglass windows that snap on the side of the car. Oh, really? And they're rolled up in there in the trunk. That's the function of the trunk. Oh, oh so the trunk held the, the Whoa, windows. That's right. Uh huh. Isn't that interesting? Well, I never thought that. Where did Mr. Franklin put his golf clubs? I thought that's what I thought the lore was about those trunks, that they were made just for his golf clubs. No. Not true. <laughs> that's why so. you're here. I'm so glad you're here because I would have had it wrong. Now, okay, if we go to the next car, <laughs> if you look back here, it right. has a golf club door on it. Yes. If you look in it, there are some vintage golf clubs yeah. in it. Okay, I'm going to go take a look here. And that sits kind of right. No, there. this is a single seat, only has a front seat. Right. Uh -huh. And so that kind of sits underneath the trunk. It's got a little side Here's door. A, isn't this a rumble seat car? It's a rumble seat yeah. car. Okay. Yeah. And he's got a side door that you can that you can put some golf clubs or, or I guess you could even put a picnic basket in there. It's, it's not real big. But. This is a much older car, this one here. Okay, no, well, we're looking at 1926 Sport Touring. Yeah, the interesting car, thing about this car is this is the last year of the wooden frame. Okay. If you look right up behind the front wheel, you will actually see the wooden frame. It's laminated ash. And how did that hold up? Quite well, and the reason why they used ash is because the cars had to be flexible. Okay. Ash is very flexible. Okay. Wow. I would have never thought about a wood frame in a car. I knew that they had a lot of wood, like for the doors yeah, and, around, and some and of that around. type of stuff, yes. but I didn't know that the frames were wood the also. Frames wood. The wheels are hickory. Okay. And the, the wheel spokes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, now how did they how did they hold up as far as uh going down the road and the metal working the metal bolts working against the wood and I know that a lot of times you end up with things wallering out and stuff. I, su I suppose, but um, they seem to stay together pretty well. As a kid, you know how kids are. Right. I tried breaking the wheels. I tried doing everything, and I couldn't do it. So. Well, that's kind of self-defeating. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This one has uh, this one's got a maintenance log or maintenance book in it, and it has all the instructions of all the things you have to do every so many hundred miles. So if you're going to drive one of these across the country, you need to have your book and you need to consult your book, and you need to do what you have to do because you don't want to have a breakdown in the middle of nowhere. Mm 
Oh yeah. So. And the other cool thing about this is it's got a windscreen behind the driver's seat and the passenger seat. Was that a right. privacy deal because no. this was, okay. That windshield you bought as an accessory had it installed. The problem with it is, I mean, the reason that you had to have it is because when the top is down, it's a hurricane in the back seat. Did you okay. notice the uh, second windshield on the big V12? I did not notice it's, that. It has its own little windshield for the rear seat, same with that dark brown one. Okay. Yeah, and there, we got another and one that's, back and here that's too, to keep. I I, now I don't know that I've really noticed that on on a lot of other cars and other museums I've been in either. Was this kind of a specific thing to the Franklins, or was it a common deal? It was a common on all dual cal Phaetons or dual okay. cal, but uh, like my Corvair, that I didn't realize was that kind of problem. I have a convertible. Okay. Okay, and I'm driving down the road, and I got somebody in the back seat. I got the top down. <laughs> right. I'm fine. There's very little wind comes through. <laughs> Uh, the front seat there, and I looked back and I saw the people in the back seat, and everything's going straight back. <laughs> wow. Okay. Right. Well, and of course, there's no conversation anyway uh, between the front seat and the Just back seat. Watch this. Okay. Me and my brother grew up in rumble seats as kids, okay? okay? The first thing that we learned was when we got into a fight or an argument in the back seat, we had to resolve it ourselves because nobody else knew about it. <laughs> You know, maybe rumble seats need to make a comeback. And for anybody that doesn't know what a rumble seat is, it's uh, it's a seat that is behind the regular cab of the of the car. Uh, you had the two seat cars like the Model Ts and Model As, uh, these Franklins. Uh, well, just about a whole lot of cars, and the trunk would lift up, and they had a seat back there, and so you were riding out in the open air in the back seat. Right. Here's our other V12. We have two of them. Oh, you got this two is the of other them. One. Yes. Yep. Oh, wow. And now, this is this the, the same color brown as that other yes, one? Yes, exactly. It you is? can see the difference yeah. now. Wow. It's got more light to it here. You know, I kind of like the gray better. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Oops. we need to change lighting. <laughs> you wow. can see a little bit of streamlining going on here, starting. And it's too bad it's the end. There were no more Franklins after this. But instead of having this steep vertical front hood support, right. this one has a slight slope to it. We're starting to see... It sits at about a 15-degree yeah. angle mm -hmm. or something. And yeah. the windshield's got kind of an angle to it also. Right. And it's also... Well, this one here's got a hard top on it, and the top is, is a lot more rounded uh, than what the... Uh, yeah, hard top, but it is a soft top still. If okay. you look at it real close, you see the still cover. It's oh, in the middle. It's, it's, yeah. Okay. The reason for that is because the car still uh, had to be flexible, okay? okay? And so if you had a metal top across there, it would sound like a beer can. Okay. And on this one, and maybe on some of the others, this one has vents coming. It has six vents coming down the side. Did those open up when those you were... Are, those are just for, on, for looks. Just for looks. So yes. they didn't have any uh, air cooling... Uh, the capability. The air is being forced through those special ductwork that's concealed on that V12, what looked like the valve cover. Right. That's on purpose because the air has to be kept in across the jugs, the, the cylinder jugs. And if you just flip the doors open sure. here. Uh, yes. Yeah. Could you pull it forward a little? His car is blocked in. His car is blocked in. Great driver. 
Well, the dogs are locked. Yeah, the dogs are locked in the back. Go ahead and, and do whatever you need to do with it. It's got a little backup camera sitting there. You can kind of help see behind you. Mm, I'll see you tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Okay. So, no, these are just for fun. They don't do anything because okay. the they air is kept. They, right. Yeah. But they're just for fun. But the, you so can see, we have some of these other engines open, and you can see the ductwork on the, uh, the forced air cooling. Okay. Now, so. were, now, were these cooled with a fan that blew mm -hmm. through, or was yes. it just uh, no. kind of free flow? It, no. Did you remember the, uh, the cylinder, the head, the right. RP-12? Did you see the fan sitting next to it? I guess I didn't. Okay. I saw the cylinder sitting okay. there. It's, it's a, like a squirrel, a squirrel cage. cage. Okay. Yeah. Fits right on the crankshaft. <clears throat> and each motor has I a different... I did see that. Okay. It has a different size fan for the different, uh, different uh, horsepower. Okay. So it brought the air... From yeah. the crankshaft, like where the harmonic balancer would yeah, normally exactly, sit? exactly, huh? Okay. Brings it up into a plane and, and blows it down. And that was the first design. This will be the second design here. Okay. Wow. This one looks real heavy. It, it is. is. <laughs> it cart weighs 6,100 pounds. We call it the banker's car. Because in 1933, when the bankers wanted their money back, they were got involved in the factory and they said it was too expensive to make them out of aluminum. That is an all steel metal car. That car weighs 6,100 pounds. Wow. Versus the Franklin 4000. And the Franklin was made out of aluminum. Basically. These are the, there was eight of these cars built. Okay. And uh, I drove one of these cars once. And it's, it's like driving a tank. It only wants to go down the road straight. And the engineers did such a bad job on the brakes, you never knew which way it was going to pull. Oh. So when I pulled it back into the yard, I looked at Tom, and I says, it's all yours. I'm not driving that one again. <laughs> wow. And so did it have mechanical brakes or no, hydraulic? No, they hydraulic. They, they were hydraulic? Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's interesting. <laughs> of course, no power steering or anything. It's called Armstrong. Armstrong. <laughs> there you go. Armstrong. Okay. Boy, all of these cars are just so classy looking. Now, these cool a little bit different. Okay. The fan, again, is off at the crankshaft right down here. Okay. It blows it up against this plenum here, which is sideways. So if you look over here, it blows the air across the cylinders this way, and you, okay. can, see, you can see the fins. Right. Okay, yeah, you can see the cylinders on this one, and you can see the fins on the cylinder. Yeah. And... Interesting. This is really cool the way you've got it displayed too, so that you can see the engines and yeah. And I have these cars set up this way so you can see the right and left hand side of the right. same, the same engine. Yeah, because when you're looking at it from one side, it's it's all nice and contained, and when you look at the other side, it's like you've opened up the engine and and you can see everything on the inside. Wow. Now, okay, so these these were run. It looks like you've got a uh, instead of a vacuum advance, you've got. Uh, Thank you. Oh, these distributors have a vacuum advance and whatnot. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. reason for the control the on these <laughs> is you had to have an, <laughs> um, a um, octane selector. An octane selector? Octane selector, because if it get the ping a little bit, you need to adjust it so it didn't. Okay, didn't, so that uh, wasn't for advance. It no, was for... it was just to adjust the timing just slightly so that, so that it didn't, didn't knock. There was a lot of difference in gasoline, I guess. Were, gas in those days were very poor. 
I thought all cars had a timing adjustment, an advance adjustment on no. the steering wheel. No, no. These, if you look at the ones in the building over there, mm -hmm. they have the lever on it, and mm -hmm. it's only for the throttle. Oh. It, 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 it advances the engine RPM when you start them up cold, just like an automatic choke. Right. And runs it fast, and then you can turn it okay. down. Of course, us kids mm. use that as cruise control, so, you know. <laughs> Okay, so it had the regular gas pedal like yeah, uh, right. like a car, but it also uh -huh. had the ability to to keep the choke up with right. the uh -huh. RPMs right. up when you uh -huh. first started. Right. Wow. Okay. And so we've got and these. I don't know if you noticed, but these are right-hand drive cars. These were sent to the UK. I did not notice that. Mm -hmm. I didn't look in yeah. far enough. Okay, so they mm -hmm. were sent to the UK, and they were owned by the uh, the guy that had the, that ran the Woolworth operation yeah. uh -huh. in London. These were his personal cars. Oh, very cool. Okay, and and all of them here down this side. We've got what five of them down this side. This one here is uh, thirty-two. Those English ones are thirty, and notice how we're. Just starting to get a hint of the streamlining. Those are right. perfectly flat fronts. Here we're starting to see just a tiny bit of a accent. On the hood support. Yes, on the hood support. So it's the future's coming. <laughs> Actually, these things here are so classic, I don't think that they could ever be left behind. Didn't this one go to Pebble Beach, Bill? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, it went to Pebble Beach. That We spent more money on this car than we did on any car of the collection because it was in bad shape. We had to send the body to a, a body company up in Michigan. Okay. And, and then they brought it back, and it wasn't right. We sent it again. Still wasn't right, so we finally just... Did it here and put it together. It's a it's a very poor design because if you look back here, you'll see that there's no support right here. Here's, oh, your, here's between your door. The... Here's your door thing right here, and there is no support. So these things actually move out. Oh wow! And that was designed by Franklin, or no? Was... This is the Ray Dietrich design car, and he designed cars for a lot of different car companies. Okay. But Franklin, he used, he did a lot of Franklin cars. Okay. And this is really interesting too. The back seat has a, has a dash type cover or, or a cover of some sort that comes down over your legs, probably to keep a bunch of the wind and noise when the top was down. So this or? is just a Raid Dietrich design car. First off, you have to put the windshield down. It takes two people. There's a latch here, a latch over there, and then you can lift this whole thing up. When you lift it up, then you can open this door and get in or out. Oh, my goodness. You, really? Yeah. That's kind of complicated to it take passengers complicated. anyway. It was complicated, right. Wow. Wow. The neat thing about it is you put kids back here. With this down, you cannot open this door. Okay, so it was kind of a kid log. Yeah, well, that and it's a mother-in-law seat. Right. <laughs> right. Wow. That is... That is way interesting. I don't know that I've ever seen one that had that back fold-down feature. No, that's the only one I've ever seen. Huh. And this is a 1932 Model 163 Deluxe Purist. Pursuit. Pursuit. Oh, Pursuit. Pursuit. So what if I can't read? <laughs> Pursuit. I'm sure there's a Purist. joke in there somewhere. Yeah, anyway. anyway. So my... this is Mr. Franklin's personal car. This one right here. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. And did he custom make it for himself? or? Oh, well, he had a design. Actually, it's another Ray Dietrich design car. Okay. Um, in 1934, when the factory got sold, this car got sold to a guy in, uh, I'll say, Florida. He took it down to Florida, parked it behind a barn, and left it. Really? Tom spent many years looking for this car. When it came in here on the trailer, I saw it. It was only this tall, and it rotted down to that level. Okay, he's, he's showing about half the door with, with that tall. Okay. Sort of like a Lauren on Hardy movie. Right. That got squished. If you go back and look in the trunk, you will see the bits and pieces that I saved. Really? Okay, now this car is is like the old uh, limousines. It's is about the west. It's a town car. A town car. It's got the roof and, and passenger compartment oh totally These enclosed. These are the original and the, parts. Uh, driver so would be, the chauffeur would be in the open. Copy. Now, did Franklin drive this car, or did no, he get to ride in the back? Franklin never drove a car. Pretty well beat up. He never drove a car. I don't think so. Wow. He had chauffeurs the uh, whole yes, time? Yes, the whole time, uh-huh. Really? And this has the, the, the spare tire into the fender, along with the mirror right. on uh -huh. top? And Well, the reason for the mirror on the outside of this is because if Mr. Franklin wanted to pull down the security blinds that are in here, and this is a suicide door model. That's right. If he wanted to pull down the curtains in here, well, then the driver couldn't see out the back. Oh. So he had to have outside mirrors. Okay. And so he had the ability to shut curtains down all the way through the back here. If he wanted to, uh-huh. And, and then a, he could roll up and roll down the window. It looks so like there's he a, could. Uh -huh. Yeah. Is there a little microphone on the Okay, there seat is there? a microphone yeah. back there on the corner of the seat. I see it. He could talk to the driver, but the driver couldn't talk back. Really? <laughs> Wow. Wow. <laughs> things are things are, are interesting. This is just and this is a beautiful, beautiful car. It is. Absolutely gorgeous. Now, isn't haven't there been questions about gangsters? Don't people say, Oh, this is like a gangster car? Did gangsters well, ever have these? And no, was, the uh, gangsters did not like these cars. They were too expensive. But didn't Al Capone's lawyer have one? He might have had. I somebody told me uh -huh. that that uh, Capone's lawyer did have a Franklin. There's a picture of him with okay. one. Wow. Okay. It seems like uh, gangsters maybe would have liked him from the aspect of you could shoot the radiator full of holes and never slow him down. That's true. <laughs> that is but true. if you get a bullet caught in the fan, that's not good. Well, I guess yeah. <laughs> Okay. All right, we have other buildings. So we're just about done with this building. Now in the next gallery, mm -hmm. and we're looking at... These are older cars. The joke is that when we bring people in here, we say, now we're going to show you some older cars. Now I blew it. Now we're going to show you some old cars. Duh. Right. <laughs> those, those were kind of old. These are really old in here. Um, and this is a Franklin, most striking thing here is the Franklin engine on a stand out of the car. So you can see exactly how the thing was built. And the giant fan bolted directly onto the front. So as the engine is turning, the fan is turning. You don't have to worry about the belt. Right. And then the air, you can see this huge ductwork on top sweeping across the top of the motor and pushes the air down across the cylinders. So if the engine's turning, it's cooling. Wow. And yeah, it's a it's a really big fan. This fan's probably a twelve inch fan, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. And it's it comes into a ductwork that comes up over the top of the engine and and blows that air 
Now, is this the same as in those English twins? No, no. This that, is, those are side draft engines. Is this earlier this is, or later? This is earlier. This, this is, is earlier. Yeah, this okay. is a downdraft. This, by the way, is an accessory. It's a heater. Okay. You bought this manifold, put it on the car, and it would take the air from here, run it through here, and it would pick up the heat off of the manifold. The exhaust manifold. The exhaust manifold and run it into the car. That was an accessory. Very few cars had those. So, okay, so it was kind of like the Volkswagen uh, exactly. heater that, that worked really. No, it didn't. <laughs> well, you asked earlier about in cold climates. Right. These had to have some kind of heating. Didn't they come with some kind of crude heating for no, the passengers? No, that no. Was, no. And Unless in you fact, bought this. In fact, she noticed that there, oh, excuse oh, me, oh. that there's a rope in the back seat. That is a blanket rope. Okay. The people in the back seat could get warm. You had a little bit of heat from the firewall on in the front. But that was about it. So unless you bought this extra accessory heating device, you would just have residual right. whatever. Uh -huh. And when did they introduce that, well, that it, auxiliary uh, heating? Was it always available? It was always available. Okay. It's probably a, um, you know, outside. Um, aftermarket. Aftermarket. Or okay. Uh -huh. okay. All right. Wow. I found this in a junkyard. That's what I put it on. Oh, really? Now, here's the one. We were talking about the one across the country in 1904. This is the actual no, one? that this was. Is okay. not the We do have a picture one. of the actual one. We had okay. it here for a while. Yeah, we did. We used to have that car here, which really? is now in the Peterson Museum. And you notice that it doesn't have the back seat in it. Right. So that's how they took it across. And this one's what you would see in 1905 because it's it's kind of compact. It's got the two seats. It looks it basically looks in some ways like a carriage with a motor in it. That's all. That's what they were. The, the horseless carriage. This got the brass horn that you squeeze the rubber on right, top uh -huh. and it goes honk honk and it's got the lights that are kerosene. Those are kerosene. Kerosene mm -hmm. lights. Now in the the engine is a cross engine. Okay, so it sits in so side, side. Yeah, side if you open the front of a Chevy Cavalier or something, right. you'll see a crossways four-cylinder. And this is exactly the same thing, except it drives the rear wheels, not the front. There is no fancy fan or ductwork. As long as you're moving, right. the air is ramming. If right. you're just sitting, there's no air boost going on so you kind of got to keep going or shut the motor off okay they, they do overheat fairly easy. i don't know we used oh. to take this to shows and we would start it to let people hear the engine right. which by the way is extremely quiet okay and uh we would run it until we could feel that it was getting pretty hot then we would turn it off but it was just sitting there so okay and it's got a hand crank instead of in the front like the model t's and, and most of them that you've seen this hand crank sits off to the passenger side uh, right behind the fender. And when I say passenger side, I'm referring to well, U.S. because this <laughs> has the right-hand steering wheel. This is still a U.S. car, but they hadn't made up their mind how they were going to do it yet. And why did the, what, what, what was the factor with that? Do you know? I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't the know. reason for that is there were no roads, even around the towns and whatnot at the time. The reason the steering's on this side is because they followed the ditches. Okay, and that's that's how they uh, got around. Okay, when can I add another, can I add another little point that that I read someplace? They said that when you were driving carriages and horses, you always drove from the right hand that's side. That's exactly right. 
And so when they started making automobiles, they drove from the right-hand side because that's the side that the driver was always used to sitting on, and it probably was to keep track of the ditches, like what you're saying. Uh Also, when they started putting highways in, they wanted the drivers to see each other, so that's when they changed it to the other side. Okay. Now that we have a 1918 car over here uh, that does have what we'll call correct modern yeah, so steering. So sometime between 1910 and 1918, that was standardized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is this? What are we looking at? The magnetos. Oh, that's, that's the coil box. There's four coils in there, one for each piston. Okay. And was there a battery in there also? The battery is underneath here. The battery's there underneath There is a little tiny battery in here. This, this was one of the few battery-operated cars. The other ones are a magneto. Okay. Wow. So with the magneto, did they also have the coil boxes? or No, it was in the magneto itself. It was in, okay. Okay. That is so interesting. Mm-hmm. Now right behind us is the truck here. There's... Is, are there any trucks out there, or is this the only this truck? This is the only known Franklin truck in existence. And this is a cool-looking truck. Again, it looks a lot like a buckboard wagon. That's right. Uh, you've got your high seat in the front. Steering wheel kind of comes straight down. It's pretty compact in the front. If you were to get, if you were to hit a cow in this, you'd end up riding the okay. cow. <laughs> now, this was just basically this was a uh, city delivery truck. Okay. So it's mostly in the city. You notice it has hard rubber, solid rubber wheels on it. Right. And the reason for that, they didn't want the driver to have to be changing flats all the time. So they put the hard rubber wheels on. This thing only went about four or five miles an hour. Oh, is that all? Well, it's when the delivery truck down to... And this is a 1908 model. And the engine sat in this one correctly, uh, front to back. The engine in this truck is exactly the same one that's in that car. Okay. So let's walk on over and look at this 1910 Touring. That car, by the way, has never been restored. Oh, really? That's it. That's the condition it's it's been in. Has right. it ever had a new tire put on it? Maybe those are two new tires. They're, we got those. Bert got those uh, tires from the Michelin dealer in Italy. In Italy. And yeah, he was talking to the dealer or the the guy that manufactures it. He knew him when when he for a while or something. And the, and the Michelin and the and the guy from uh, from Italy says, I think I have a pair of Michelin tires, and so we went back to the factory. He found them, wrapped them up, and shipped them here. Oh my so God. Wow! That's how we got those two new tires. So they're brand new from nineteen eighteen. Huh? Oh yeah. <laughs> when when were these tires have been made? Have been struck? Do we know? Probably in the thirties or forties, okay. sometime. Okay, wow. and and on this engine, uh, how does it cool? Okay, that's different. Because it doesn't have the same fan system. It fan is in the back, back here. Okay. Blows it forward, up, and out. Okay, so it comes from the bottom yes, and, and uh-huh. brings it out through the top of right, the engine. Uh-huh. And again, we have our fins on the cylinders. Right. Uh-huh. You can see them. Right. And now so, is, how did these how did these valves? Uh, oh, we got the oil can there. Back to what we were talking about initially. You had to where, oil it before you started every time. And and then every two hundred and fifty miles, or every ten miles. Every oh, ten miles. On this one. You oh. had to get out and oil the. Yeah. Okay. Don't forget to do that. <laughs> wow. So you had to get out, lift the hood. Well, and, and actually, did it matter whether you were on real dusty roads or not? It didn't seem to bother uh, too much. This, um, remember, there were no roads then. Right. 
And so, so everything he, was dusty. So not only that, but you didn't drive them very far. Okay. You know, three or four miles at a time and whatever. Every time they started it, you had to oil that. Okay. And if you really went for a long ways, it was only good for about 10 miles. Okay. Oh. And the next question is, is when you're oiling it that much out in the open, uh, exposed to air, when you're going through a dust storm or something like that, did, did you have to clean it somehow or another? Or? Uh, they probably didn't. You know, who, who, who would want to be out in an air storm with this thing here on it? Well, but I wouldn't want to be out in an air storm or, or a snowstorm <laughs> on the back of a horse either, but there were a lot of them that did, did it. it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't know. This, this is an interesting engine. It is a total loss oil system. There is an oil can pan down here with an oil pump on it, which pumps the oil to the crankshaft. Okay. And when it gets too splashing around, it dumps it out on the ground. No. Really? Yeah, so you had to keep watching your level and make sure you kept the oil level. Okay. Now, was that in agreement with the road company so that their roads were oiled on a regular basis? There you and go, dust control. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no idiot light in the car to tell you when it's out of oil. So you need to, that's why you need to pay attention. Okay. The idiot light had not been invented yet. Well, geez. <laughs> when was the idiot light invented? That's oh, what I God, want to know. I don't remember. In the 50s somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Maybe wow. in the late 40s. Anyway. So you I have digress. to keep up on things. I'm, I'm just Th here. They call them idiot lights because they weren't idiots prior to that no, time. No, no. I'm just here as the color commentator to inject stupid stuff. So well, that's my that, role. That's here. my job. You can't take that away from oh, me, okay. Tom. <laughs> This okay. is called the barrel hood model. The reason it's called the barrel hood model, you, it's quite obvious, okay? Yes, it looks like a 55 or, or 35 gallon drum. Yes, and Chevrolet, Buick, Cadillac, and a few other car companies had the same design. Okay. These are um, acetylene lamps. The okay. gas tank for that is on the running board. Okay. You take it to the uh, blacksmith shop to have it filled. Some of the other older cars had a had a generator on the side of the car where you put the water and the carbide pellets in, which made the the gas for the headlights. But you have to get out, open the door, open up a little valve to light these headlights. And then you had to light it with a match. Yeah. Okay. And then you closed it back up and hoped the wind didn't blow through. It and does, they're pretty good, really good. Okay. And you've got a water. Uh... That's for the people. Oh, oh the there's water the water bags. bag. I was thinking, <laughs> what? Where's the water bag? Yeah. It's. The water bag is for the people. Those bags, uh, like if we were, when I was a kid, we'd have about three or four of them on the front of the car. If we were going to Casa Grande or Phoenix, we'd have those filled with water. Those bags sweat. Okay. And, of course, then it makes the water very cool, evaporation. Okay. And I've drank water out of those bags cold enough to hurt my teeth. Even in a hundred degree way. Uh, yes, it was. They were cold. So and this you, is a canvas bag with a lid on it and a rope that you hung off yeah, the front of your car. Right, uh -huh. Wow, I, I've seen those before. I was and, and I always thought that they were carried by cars in order to fill up the radiator That's when they also, boiled over. But also two two uh, two things for the car: one bag for the car, one bag for the people. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'd heard that they were for the people at at, at some place else uh -huh. where I was at, and I was kind of surprised by that. Okay, now we're looking at a 1918 uh, Model 9B Touring. This is a modern car. It has an electric starter, it has a generator, it has electric lights, unlike the brass era cars. The brass era is over. Now we're in, what are we in? The Iron Age, I don't know, the Steel Age. 
Yeah, it now becomes a lady's car because she can just jump in and go. It's a big leap. Without a, having to crank it. It's a great leap forward. Think of it that way. Oh, yeah. Electric cars were really popular back in the mm -hmm. late 1800s, early 1900s. And I think that the electric start is what basically put those out of business. You didn't have to get out and crank your mm -hmm. car. And that's real, it was the attraction to the mm -hmm. electric vehicles. You could just jump in them and go. Yes. They didn't go very far. That was the problem. Right. And so this one here has got the bottom uh, fan in it that brings it on up through the uh -huh. engine and exits the engine. out the top. Right. You can see the, the, uh, the plenums there in the hood. Okay. And this one here must be uh, self-oiling. To where you didn't need to have an oil can. 250 miles. You had, okay, 250 miles. As opposed to 10. These, you took these caps off. And then filled them full of oil? There's uh, felt in there that you fill, that you oil. Oh, okay. And so this is a six-cylinder car. You've got six caps that look, would look like air cleaner caps uh -huh. on a Briggs & Stratton motor. Okay. And you take the bolt off of the top and you... Put the, well, like the air cleaner in the Briggs & Stratton motor, there's a felt in there or a sponge, and you put oil on there, and that's what oiled your upper end. Right. Wow. That is, that is way cool. There's one other uh, feature of this car that's kind of neat. All you got was a tire and a tube for a spare. Okay. That is a split rim wheel. Very dangerous. Right. Anyway, when you got through repairing your tire and getting it all back together again, and all the words that go with it, here is an air compressor. Oh, really? Built in. And that air compressor runs off of? The generator. The generator. Okay. And so was it, there wasn't a pressure container as far as a, no, just a, a holding just, tank. Just you just a hose to it. There's a hose underneath the seat long enough to reach all four wheels so you could service all your tires at any time. Wow. Was that just a special feature to the Franklins? No. There's a lever here that you turn on and off. Okay, and 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 but no tank. But no tank, and this was pretty much a specific thing to the Franklins, or this model had all these years. This model had that on. Okay, it. and what about like the Fords or the Chevys or any of those? Oh, Do you, you know? had to buy some extra thing for those. Okay, yeah. okay, and so you, you the, the split rim that he's talking about, and it being extremely dangerous, which they are, uh, if not handled correctly is you've got an outer ring that you can take off and then your tire will just sl slide off so that you don't have to try and have uh, tire changing bars and stuff right, to get uh -huh. it to break off the rim. But the problem was, is when you would inflate these tires, if those uh, if, that ring if that ring wasn't set right, it would come off of there with a lot of velocity right. and enough potential to, to decapitate or blow your hand off right. or, or all kinds of things. Right. So and This is called... From this car was designed as a, as a Series 9. It was good from 1917 to 1921. It's called a shovel nose or the Renault style. Okay. And this car got over 40 miles to the gallon. Are you serious? And and now and now if you buy a little tiny Prius, you can get 40 miles to the gallon. <laughs> Where have we gone wrong? <laughs> Some someplace we've gone wrong. And and what were the, what was the speeds that this was doing? It was only well, doing twenty five or thirty. 40, it get up to forty five, easy. Uh, okay, mm -hmm. so it'd do forty five miles an hour, yeah. forty miles to the gallon. Yeah. And it, and it now did. we've got these these newer cars that maybe well they cruise along at sixty five or seventy, but they still only get forty miles to the gallon, and uh -huh. they're hybrids. Right. Something's something's goofy with everything. It seems to me. <laughs> 
-hmm. Okay, then you've got a 1940 or 24. 24. This car only has 3,000 miles on it. Original? original? Original miles. It was bought in Syracuse, New York. The guy drove it to California, parked it in a barn, and left it. Are you serious? So that's all the miles that are on it. They jacked it up, and it was in a garage. Um, and in 1956 or so, uh, it was in an estate. So a termite inspector came to check out the building for the estate people and, and found this car. He went up and talked to the estate people, and he bought the car for 400 bucks. Really? But that was 1950? Yeah. Which is, the, the dollar figure there would be a lot more extreme. I mean, it's, it's what, $5,000 or something? It's at least yeah. 10 times 10, maybe 12 times 12, something like that. Okay. So he, he still he, he yeah. still he still paid a decent price for it, but four hundred dollars now sounds like nothing. It was four hundred dollars was probably a steal then too. If right. You think about it. Oh yeah. And what are these cars worth now, as far as collectors? Are they in the in the super high dollar collector stage, or they're around hundred hundred thousand? Actually, at an auction or in the in the books where you see them, like in Hemmings and whatnot, right. they they go for between fifty and eighty thousand. That's for a collector car. That's really still kind of reasonable. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And what about the ones like in our first gallery? Would those be in kind of the same ballpark? That's that's what I'm referring to. Oh, okay. Those these here, I'm sure. I'm sure these guys here in these conditions would get you know like a hundred grand or better. Right? Okay. Yeah. Because those are those are such classy. Yeah. Well, all of these are classy looking cars. I just and and the lines even on on like the 1924 1925 the hood is is really rounded that's called the horse collar design. Okay. Yeah, I can see like a horse collar for a driving horse. <laughs> uh it's it's looks very similar but the lines just kind of blend right on in from the hood into right. the mm -hmm. front now, end and that's a different hood on this uh, the shovel nose the was this the Renault the yeah, French Renault or yeah. the okay. shovel nose mm -hmm. okay yeah these cars are just so fascinating and such a such a one of a kind deal okay so now we're going to move on out to there's the still, next gallery there's still one and a half buildings left we got one and a half buildings left And on the way from one building to the next, you get to see the giant Catalina Mountains 20 miles away, and there's a 7,000-foot altitude differential. Last night, we spent the night at a campground on Mount Lemmon. Oh, you did? We drove up Mount Lemmon, wow. and I cannot recommend that that drive enough. When we were at the Wildlife Museum yeah. uh, doing our podcast there, the lady said that this is one of the only places you can see from desert all the way to snow and, and mm -hmm. uh, alpine-type conditions mm -hmm. within about a 30-minute or 40-minute ride. Yeah. And coming up the hill, the view of, of Tucson and the valley was absolutely gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And the further we climbed, we got up into the tall uh, yeah. pine trees, uh -huh. and it was, it was a beautiful, beautiful even drive. Even the aspens, you can even, the aspens are at the very tippy top. That's right. another state, that's a different climate zone than the pine trees. It is just, if anybody comes here, they definitely need yeah. to do the, the okay. Mount Lemon thing because yeah. it is such a, a pretty and cool drive. Okay, so now we're into 1930s. This is, 19, yeah, 1931 Coupe. 
This was the very first Franklin that Tom bought. He bought this car from one of the engineers at the Syracuse factory. Oh, really? Yes. And so this was a brand new car that he bought? Brand new, almost brand new. Um, this, uh, this, by the way, is the original green paint on this car. Really? It's, it hasn't been touched up. No. And it's got the rumble seat again. It does. And uh, the golf compartment. Yes. And the spare tire and the fenders. Uh-huh. We, we call those car. side mounts. Side, okay. Yeah, side, side mounts. mounts. Not not spare tires in the fenders. No, no, no. no. <laughs> you can okay, have let's single, get technical here. <laughs> you can have single side mounts or dual side mounts. Okay. Two spare tires in a fender on each side. Wow. But, uh, these are, are these singles? No, there's a dual. Okay. And this one. They're all dual. They all are. Well, that, oh, wow. Yeah, so they are. Yeah, that okay. one's dual too. Anyway. This is not a true Franklin. This is called an Olympic. Okay. Our earlier discussion. Right. We could buy these. Franklin could buy these cars from the Ori oh, Olds company. Okay. Ori Olds, Oldsmobile. Right. Okay. Put his running gear in it, sell the car for $1,500 instead of the Franklin three or 4000 Really? It was, he was trying to create a money flow. Okay. And it was too late, of course. But. And, and so, and this was after, this was the bankruptcy period yes, of time. Uh, this is the 33. Okay. Well, that's an interesting concept. So, yeah. So he had his Franklin running gear inside of an Olds body. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. And what was this car called in the called, Olds lineup? It, was, oh, it wasn't in, in the Olds. It, oh, it, it was, was the this, Olympic. This was just an Olympic. It was not even an Olds. Okay. An so Olympic. it wasn't like Ford buying a, a Chevelle no. and sticking their body on the running gear. No. Okay. Was it? On, if you bought the thing new and you got your title, did it say Franklin Olympic or did it say Olympic? Olympic. It said Olympic, yes, period. Uh -huh. Did not say Franklin anywhere no, on it. Didn't. Okay. Wow. But underneath okay. it was. Yeah. Okay. That is interesting. And Olds is kind of an interesting story if anybody wants to look it up because mm -hmm. uh, I, I just got through reading an article, I think, in Hemings Motor News about uh, Mr. R.E. Olds mm -hmm. and... and uh, it was it was an interesting story. Okay, but that's another show, as we. That's say. another show. Yeah, we'll see if I can get to an old uh, okay. dealership. Now, oh, here, I don't know why I'm infatuated with these hood designs, but here's a '34, and you see the swooping, right. streamlining beginning. And what is the hood ornament? The hood ornament looks kind of like a. It's supposed to indicate flight or air. Okay, I was going to say it looks kind of like a bird with its wings way up. The spirit of flight. The spirit okay. Of flight. Okay. Again, another beautiful car. Okay. And this is in the brown tone. This is in the brown tone. <laughs> this is the 34. And this was the last car that Tom restored. Did Mr. Frank Franklin ride around in this car? This one here. This one. Okay. So uh, we took it to Pebble Beach, and it got second place because the taillight was burnt out. Oh, no. Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's getting critical. But this is a beautiful car. I did a lot of the engine work on it, and it's a beautiful driving car. These engines have um, seven main bearing cranks in them. Makes them extremely really? smooth. And uh, this car here, by the way, idles at uh, 250 RPM. 
When you come to a stop sign, really? you swear the damn thing quit. Yeah, 250 RPM is... That's like airplane territory. I was going to say, most most of your modern cars and stuff are, are idling five, at, what, about 750? Five, six, five to eight, yeah. something yeah. Okay, and this one has suicide doors, mm-hmm. which if somebody doesn't understand what suicide doors are, the front doors open the way a normal car would, but then you've got the door handle for the back one right next to the front door handle, and it swings out. And the reason that they're called suicide, from my understanding, is if your door doesn't close and you're going down the road at 30 miles an hour and you open it up to close it, you're going out. Yeah, it sucks you right out of the seat, throws you right underneath the rear tire. Right. There's the reason for the suicide. Yep. Don't want to open those doors when you're going down the road. That was the sound of the door closing. And didn't that sound good? It sounded wonderful, didn't it? Sounds nice and solid. And now yeah. you guys still drive some of these cars uh, once in a while, don't you? That one is a daily driver now. We, in time, we, I rotate the cars. I'm going to take this one back out again and make a daily driver out of it. And when you say daily driver, you're driving it every day or once it, a week or taking it to shows? Or? Yeah, to shows and sometimes a couple times a week we take them out and run them around just to keep them up and everything. Dang, that sounds like lots of fun. How do you get on the list to be the driver? You want to be a volunteer? <laughs> Actually, I would love to be a volunteer. That's all it takes. Really? That's how I get volunteers. You co- <laughs> yeah, I say, so they say, man, man, how do I get to drive one of these cars? I said, if you become a volunteer, you can possibly get to drive one of these. And it's just like that. Oh, I'll bet it is. Consider if, I lived, if I lived in Tucson, I'd be yeah. down here every day. Consider yourself recruited. Recruited. Yeah. <laughs> here is another aircraft engine. Okay. This is a flat 12. It's the one we saw earlier was a 4. Was this it, is a 12. This okay. one was in an experimental drone in 1942. Okay, a drone in 1942. That was yes. unmanned aircraft? They would launch it. They'd use a, a guy to get the thing off the ground, and then he would bail out. Is that right? Something like that. that. Yeah, I've heard this. I've, I've read this somewhere, but uh, it was a little scary launching it. So they right. used a human to launch it, and then there, after he jumped out with his parachute. I'm not volunteering anymore. We're, no, no, we're, not, we're not going to recruit you for that. So Anyway... <clears throat> The drone would fly around and drop bombs and do reconnaissance and then hope it came back in one piece. This engine was never used. They canceled the program. It didn't work too well. But they built several engines, and this one was ready to go in, a drone, when the program was canceled. Oh, really? So you could uh, crank it up and make it go, maybe. It's got zero hours on it. Wow. And this thing's huge. It's it's uh, probably what f- almost five foot long. Well, it's uh, yeah. It's I think there are placard there gives some information about the displacement. Uh, I'm not sure how big this thing actually is, but it says it's 50 inches uh, w- wide and fit and 36 inches long. So it's that's, that's three by four. Okay. But what's the power? The power and the displacement. It's 450 horsepower at 3,200 RPMs, mm-hmm. and it's 850-inch 12-cylinder uh, 805. There we go. Cubic an, inch. An 805. Cubic, cubic inch. And Whoa. the weight on it is 590 pounds, which is really kind of amazing, because I would have thought that that weighed a lot more than five, well, 600 so pounds. But uh, Franklin was big on aluminum and nickel and wow. exotic. He was... 
ad using advanced alloys before other people were. Okay. So that's part of the secret of this. Wow. Just to keep the weight down, the power to power to weight ratio is quite favorable here. Okay. And it says this aircraft would have been a radio-controlled twin-engine mm -hmm. mid-wing monoplane mm -hmm. with provisions for carrying up to 2,000 pounds of explosives via bomb, torpedo, or depth charge. Wow. So, okay. <laughs> it's a sidebar. I didn't know that they had radio control back in the, the well, 40s. Yeah. And, and what would the range have been on that? I mean, Limited. you're thinking a drone, you would have had had to have some range mm -hmm. in order to be dropping those bombs. Mm -hmm. You'd almost have to be front line and hoping to hit something, what, a mile away or something? Oh, more than a mile. I'm sure it's more than a mile. But, but even like know. CB radios, you're out of range at, uh, at five, six miles, ten miles? Maybe. Not even. Yeah. The pilot plane was five miles behind the drone. Five? Is that? Okay. Oh, so they were flying a plane behind it? Yes, it was radio controlled. Here's the guy... You can't see it on the podcast, but there's a, 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 a look, looks like a single-engine fighter plane. Right. Behind, five miles behind. Uh -huh. Control with and that second guy controlling the radio for the drone. Okay. And you're probably really hoping that once you get up in the air, that plane is five miles back before you open your chute. That's true. <laughs> you don't want to get sucked into the thing. Yeah. Wow. Anyway. Um, so... In the corner there is a Packard. Okay. And we do have a couple cars that are not Franklin's. Okay. We used to be pure Franklin, and we've kind of polluted ourselves a little bit, but it's okay. It's okay. Because they're Packards. I was going to say. a pretty good a, car. A, a Packard's nothing to, to <laughs> mock It's at. true. It's and what's true. the story with the tile here in the middle of the floor? You've got... This is interesting. This is the room that we did all the upholstery work in. Oh, the okay. The, the interesting thing is... Every now and then, Tom would take and he'd move everything out of here, clean it out, go downtown and get some mariachis, and we'd have a weekend party. Oh, well. <laughs> so we, in the introductory video, which we were not able to play, it states, I believe, that Tom was born in 1925 and died okay. in 1993. Right. Does that sound right? So Tom's best years were from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. That, that's a long run. Yeah. Before he had yeah. to retire and leave this realm. Yeah. Well, he did this car in '92. '92. That's with the very end. Yes. Right. And he died in '93, January yeah. of '93. Okay. So we just got this car. Through. Just when he started this car, they were just going to be a daily driver. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Tom comes around. He says, "No." He says, "I just got invited to to." Uh, uh, Pebble Beach. Pebble Beach, and of course yeah. you get invited to that show, you, you okay. don't just go. Wow. And so all of a sudden, uh, it became time to, you know, do a nice job on it, and, and it basically, why it got second place is beyond me, because there's stuff underneath here that's bad. Mm. You know, what oh, you're saying it might have been third or fourth. Yeah, right. Okay. And uh, so they did good. I think it's because Tom's name and whatnot, other cars right. that he had were all class A cars, so... Now this uh, and so so who has the museum now? It's in a trust. Oh, okay, okay. And so uh, the trust keeps keeps everything going. I'm sorry, I can't sell you any of these cars. <laughs> okay, because they're in the trust. They're in the trust, right? And it would be untrustworthy to do so. There you go. <laughs> 
Okay, so tell us about the Packard. What year is this? Oh, no, that can't 31? be right. A 31. It's a 31 Packard 833, and it's a straight 8. Okay. And it does have a water bag for the radiator because it, it does have water cooling. This okay. is a, right. It may look on the outside sort of like a Franklin, but under the hood is quite different. It's another three or four thousand dollar car, and that was the competition for Franklin, along with Cadillac and uh, and other car companies. Um, I forget Cord, right? And whatnot. The Auburn. interesting, yes. The interesting thing about this car is the two bottom headlights turn with the wheels. Oh, really? Oh. Yes. <laughs> so kind of like the the Tucker, Tucker was trying uh -huh. to do. Wow. The so you Citron. can see around the. So it has the two big headlights, and then it's got two. Bottom, uh, bottom lights and those lights turn with the front end. Wow, that is really cool. But these dual horns, uh -huh. they're stationary. They don't turn. They don't turn. <laughs> and the hood, the hood ornament on the Packards were always really cool. Yes, you got uh, winged man like holding a. I don't know who like he is, but I don't either. A Spartan or something. But he's got a wheel. He's like got the right. front wheel of his motorcycle. I don't know what that looks like. It's, it's just, it's pretty, yeah. pretty ornate. Yeah. And this is a straight eight, like he said, mm -hmm. liquid cooled. Again, beautiful car. It's, it's kind, kind of a, a cream color with a... Actually, it's yellow. Oh, it's a yellow car. Again, <laughs> we're dealing with lighting, maybe. But if yeah. you park this next to the 25 in our Franklin, they are different. They're not the same yellow. This yeah. is a creamier yellow. The other one is more of a... This car was originally gray and black. Okay. And when they restored it, they painted it this color here. Okay. Well, this is a beautiful car, too. All these cars are beautiful. This is, this is like, to me, this is an art museum. Thank you. Because the, the car styles back then and the little features and the little things that, that made them unique. Mm -hmm. And there, it's, it, the thing that's so cool is that there were so many different manufacturers back then. Yeah. And all of them had their own little quirks and their right. own little styles. And it's just so cool to look at, at what was being done and the engineering and, and thinking about the technology that they didn't have that we have now. And now all our cars look like pills. And these <laughs> things here look, they're classic looking pieces of machinery. Right. Yeah. Well, there's a half a building left. Well, let's go see the half a building. Yep. <laughs> We can cut around this way. Okay. Now, I guess while we're on our way to this other building, I, I want to kind of bring up some, some points that I've thought about coming in here. The first time I came in here, this museum sits in kind of an out-of-the-way, no, a really out-of-the-way place. When you type it into your GPS, which is yeah. the best thing to do, yeah. follow your GPS. Do not question your GPS, which is kind of a strange thing to say because you always question GPS. But you're going to go down a, a paved road, then you're going to go down a gravel road, then you're going to turn down an alley, then you're going to pull into a little driveway with a couple of different uh, buildings on it, and you're going to think that you are absolutely lost. But if you think you're lost, you know you're here. It doesn't help. I, I get we... telephone calls all the time from people. The road just turned to dirt. I think we're lost. Yep, and, and you're not. Like I said, this is one place that you type it into your GPS, and no matter what you think 
you go ahead and follow that GPS and you will end up here. It doesn't help that we have two addresses. We have an address on Kleindale and we have an address on Vine. Okay. That's the corner where the corners of those two streets meet. That's where we are. Okay. So. Well, however it works, all I know is if I type in Franklin Car Museum oh, okay. in Tucson, you get here. Yeah. <laughs> so there are no more. You've seen all 27 of the Franklins. This is now another Packard and a Chevrolet. Okay. And we put the Chevrolet in here to show the difference between one of the reasons it's here is compare the difference. You see how great the Franklin is and how lowly the Chevrolet is. <laughs> Chevrolet is a perfectly fine car, but it's much cheaper. Right. And if you examine it closely, you can see where there's, there, well, it's not just, as look, just looking at the body styling, yeah. Uh, yeah. it doesn't even begin to compare. It's uh, smaller, it's just physically smaller. Right. It weighs less, um, it's not as substantial. It's substantial, but it's not. As. And I wouldn't be at all upset having a Chevrolet parked Certainly in my not. garage. I mean, Certainly it's a beautiful, not. beautiful it car. Is. It is. But like you said, when you're comparing it to the Franklins, it's mm -hmm. it's a whole different experience. This is a straight six, water-cooled. And if you <laughs> look under the hood of a 48, 49, 50, 55 Chevrolet, it's kind of the same thing. It's right. a overhead valve. Uh, Straight six, just like the inline six. six yeah, straight yeah. Six. yeah, yeah. They didn't right. change them very much. Right. Chevrolet did experiment with an air-cooled engine, and it was an unmitigated disaster. In was the early, in, in the early was, years. That was, no, that was before the Corvair. Twenty. I'm, I'm not talking about the Corvair. Because ah, okay. <laughs> I should have clarified. I was going to say that. the Corvair was actually a success. It was not a yes. disaster. Had but Ralph in, Nader not jumped in the middle of that, we'd have been okay. Well. Swing axles is not a good idea. He was right about some things. But it was it 1923 that the Chevy tried an air-cooled motor? That's right, and it was a failure. It totally failed. And okay. they tried again later, and this time they got it right. But that's not what this is. Okay. And this is, this, again, this is a beautiful car. It's a two-tone yeah, brown. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. kind of a light brown with a dark brown top. Suicide, Suicide doors. And uh, uh, do we have dual side mount? Yeah, yes. looks like we got. But you don't mount. have the covers. But it doesn't on have it. the cover on, right? Uh, thank goodness. Cheaper. Those covers were <laughs> a pain. I had a flat tire in the '34 sedan once, taking it to a show. Uh huh. It took me an hour to get the damn cover off of it before I could even get to the tire. <laughs> it has a separate key, right? It's got well, its own key. Not only key. that, but you got yeah. it, that cover comes off hard. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But it definitely adds to the adds to the looks of the car oh, when you're yeah. driving it. And I mean, it, it cleans saves, everything it up. It takes the sun off the tires. It saves the, it saves the tires. Not this 1924 Packard is a Tucson car. Okay, it was bought at a Tucson Packard dealer here for a little over seven thousand dollars in 1924. Whoa. Nineteen seven thousand dollars in twenty four. Multiplied by twenty. So a hundred forty thousand dollar today car, mm -hmm. but you know it's a beautiful car. <laughs> it was a wedding present for Miss Elizabeth Greenway, who was our first congresswoman. Oh, really? And who built the Arizona Inn? Okay. And so she she was a federal congresswoman yeah, or state. I, I, everything I've heard is fed to the to the Capitol in Washington. Yeah, she okay. was our representative. Yeah. We only had one in those days. Wow. So I got to look her up. So this is kind of a celebrity car. Right. Yes. It's also a daily driver. I keep this one running. Really? Now, you take this one to shows and stuff? Yeah, we take it to shows. And if I volunteer, 
Yeah. Oh. As soon as that yeah, but you got to come from clutch and how does devil clutch? Okay. But you're in Wyoming. I know. How Volunteering's going to be a little bit. It's going to be the commute is going to kill you, but you'll be you'll find a way. And yeah. here's here here's dual side mounts again, but they're not side mounts. They're, they're back mounts. They're on the back. Butt of the mounts. Car. Yes. Dual butt mounts. And you'd think with all the spare tires that uh, flats were a rather common they were. occurrence back in the they day. They were. Yeah. What was the life of a tire? You'd be lucky to get 10,000 miles out of a tire. Oh, you'd be tires. lucky. Now, this here's a little bit different. Her husband was a mining engineer, and you would find this down in Ajo, Morency, Bensby, and whatnot. All those roads were dirt at the time. And to go from here to Ajo, he would use both of those spare tires to get there. Really? And, yeah. And the thing that's that's... It's almost hard to even fathom driving a car like this on dirt roads just because of their, their beauty and their value now. I mean, the dirt roads had to chip up your fenders. And, yeah. This and car got restored in 1985. Okay. That's, what is that, uh, almost 40 years ago. Yeah, that's beautiful. Absolutely So we, we try not to take it on too many dirt roads now. We other than, the, other the, than the road, the road in and out. That's of only straight. a block, and we don't go fast. It's only a block, and we don't go over fifteen miles an hour. Okay. Is this a du yeah? This is kind of a dual cowl thing. This has got the oh, same yeah. setup. Oh, yeah. It does. With the, uh, the second windshield back. for the back people. And the leg room. Holy smokes! Does it have? It's got, got little. Uh, leg room. It's got little jump seats here. Right. So you can well, put she extra would people. Pick up in. her clients at the railroad station and take them to the M. Uh, Okay. So they had to have room for the trunks going on. And again, you, you brought up a point that I want to I want to bring back up. Uh, you've got this metal bar that looks like what we always called the chicken bar in the Volkswagen, the little one for the passenger uh -huh. to hold on to when things got a little bit too wild. You've got one of those that comes across the back seat, and you mentioned, and the it's first a, time I'd ever heard it, is that's a blanket that blanket rack. bar. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. It's attached to the back of the front seat. Right. Does this car have a heater? Nope. It could. Could it have had a heater? I don't know. It's a water-cooled engine. I know. You'd think they could have, could have put a heater in it. but Yeah, you'd have to have your heat exchanger and all that, your, your heat coil. Or would this have had a gasoline heater inside? No. That was not a thing. No, Orange, Orange Corvair did that stupidly for one No, I, there were, you could get a gasoline. I've seen pictures of cars from soon after this. It okay. had a gasoline heating system in the passenger compartment. Okay. That you poured gas in and lit it. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds safe. Oh yeah, <laughs> and they wonder now, why people back then didn't live long. Where's Ralph Nader when we need, really need him? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, these are all absolutely beautiful, and then you have a little bit of a gift shop over here. Yes, we do. Yes. Okay. Now, do you guys have a website? I think. Yes. Well, he would know. Franklin Museum. Well, we better check it. I believe it's franklinmuseum.org. Okay. Because we are a nonprofit organization. Yeah. Okay. So franklinmuseum.org and uh, franklinfoundation.org. We'll go inside and check that. Okay. <laughs> we can pause we'll, the thing. We'll go with those. We'll double, triple check that. YouTube, it's Franklin Auto Museum. Okay. And you've got some YouTube videos? Oh, yes. Okay. We've got one with this car going all over the place. <laughs> oh, wow. Are, are those on Facebook? They're on YouTube. Okay. We also have a Facebook page. Uh, yeah, that one. And We're that's Franklin Museum? Franklin Museum is okay. the Facebook page. Okay. Yeah. And this is this has been so cool. I so appreciate Bill and Tom taking their their time out of their day to talk with me about these beautiful cars. Uh, the museum is awesome. If you want to see some really cool stuff and you're in Tucson, 
actually, there's so much to see in Tucson. It, it, the museums here are awesome, and the trip up Mount Lemmon's awesome, but the cars are, are unbelievably cool. And uh, I usually finish out my podcast by saying the world is full of wonder. People need to get out and explore. Come see these museums. Come see these cars. You will not be disappointed. And have an absolutely wonder-filled day. All the rolling go. Where am I to go? Meet Johnny. Where am I to go? For I'm a young and a sailor lad. And where am I to go? 